This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down. With their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing, they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today. 803-677-1500. And tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. AAA Air when you need us. AAA Heating and Air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And J.J. has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 in the, like, the 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. A few minutes after 11 o'clock here on a Friday morning. Welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on 107.5 The Game. Pearson, Preston, Wes, Chris here with you. Braving the elements in here in downtown Columbia. The wind has gradually been picking up. The rain gradually picking up. We wouldn't miss it. We are risking our lives to be here to offer you guys takes aplenty on South Carolina and SC State. Very eager to hear Wes and Chris's thoughts. And as much as I've been excited about the Thursday game, the opportunity to talk about it, react, you know, 12 hours after the end of the game to have a full weekend of unabated other football watching, I am like a little bit lamenting the opportunity uh, to have time to go back, rewatch the game, to like really, I don't know. This is, this is like really gut reaction, just like coming off the top rope stuff today. Um, haven't obviously didn't have time to like rewatch the game or even read any of you guys' reaction. I like to synthesize as much as I can. So I'll be curious to hear Wes and Chris's raw thoughts. Not after two days to kind of, you know, filter everything out. We're going to get into it. This is exciting. After two days, you know, Wes and Chris, they go scream into the void after a while. Then they come in composed. Right. We're still fresh. The, the, the takes are still hot. Yeah. I'm ready to hear them. Everyone's still a little bit sleepy from getting back late from the game last night. So this is going to be fun. Uh, before we get started, give you guys a chance to win some money. It's time for your chance to win $100 and qualify for the $25,000 grand prize in our $25,000 signing bonus contest. Just text the following national keyword to 95819. Your national keyword to text is wage, W-A-G-E, earning a wage or waging a war or both, wage, verb, W-A-G-E. Text that national keyword to 95819. Standard text messaging rates may apply. Please don't text and drive. The $25,000 signing bonus contest on 107.5 The Game. Very quickly, Chris told us his spelling bee story yesterday. I can't remember who it is now, and I forgot to get back to it yesterday, but somebody texted in, said that he also lost his you know elementary school or middle school spelling bee 
Oh, y'all both looking confused. Not not on Buckboard. Oh, that's what I, that's no, what no, I no, thought no, you no. was going to say. But he said like, he what? didn't ask for the definition. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, why would you ever ask for the definition? It's not going to help you. But he said he lost on the word sword. Chris, it's, can you spell sword for me? Well, which one? S-O-A-R-E-D or No, he spelled S-W-O-R-D, and it was S-O-A-R-E-D. That's a dirty trick. Today I learned... What is S-O-A-R-D? <laughs> I was today years old. Like, yeah. like, like you soar on the wings of eagles? Like you, you soar. soared into the air. Yeah. Yeah, you soar, like fly. Soar. Oh, okay. S-O-A-R-D. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I thought y'all were bringing up a whole new word I never heard of before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? English is, English is, is very confusing. It is kind of a weird I, language. I saw like a kind of an example sentence, though, and it's like, it's like, you know, English... Uh, what was it? It was like English is a, it's like it can be a really uh, easy language to learn with with tough and thorough thought, though. And it was like all these different sounds for T-H-O-U, yeah. tough, thorough, thought, but, though, something like that's that. That's why it's always mad respect for anybody that has English as a second language, because if you can, this is a beast. <laughs> Couldn't do it. It's a beast for sure. Yeah. I, I have a follow-up. Yeah. This morning, I was uh, <laughs> I was cracking up because I was trying to find something on Twitter just randomly something popped up about not a butt board, but a butter board. I could have mm. spelled that correctly. Apparently, that's a new thing. What's a butter board? So it's, I mean, kind of uh, like a charcuterie board, but instead, so it's got, it's this literal board. Preston's head about to explode. He's about to hulk out over here, I think. It, it's a board, and it has, like, this really good-looking, like, whipped butter on it, and then you can just add different things, like, you know, chili oil, onions, whatever, and hmm. then you take bread and you, like, dip it onto the board i'm not a tiktok person mm-hmm. but i i dip my toe in it and mm-hmm. all i see are these butter boards and oh, i'm trying okay. to figure out if like big butter is trying to poison us or something big what, butter. what is going on here big butter is definitely at work because my mom texted me the other day and she's like there's going to be a butter shortage and i'm like the only reason there's going to be a butter shortage is because someone said there's going to be a butter shortage and then everyone's going to go buy all the butter and then there's going to be a butter shortage. well now the butter boards are going to be the new thing that's crazy. That, that to me seems like a, like like an oxygen bar. Like what? what you just put butter on something. You just breathe air. Why do you need to? I don't know. Butter is good. I love I, butter, I, but I, I, if you're gonna make a board, it's it's cheese, it's charcuterie, it's meats, and I don't know. You, you should look up some shown. pictures of these. I would I would eat it. Yeah, yeah. There's I mean, no it, 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 it's just everywhere. Customize. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I really want to get. Uh, I saw also now that I have TikTok, where people send me stuff. One of those like hand butter cranks. It's like an, like just a little top for a mason jar, basically. And you can make your own butter, and it comes with these paddles, and you can shape it, and it looks amazing. It's like ASMR. And what was that thing you were telling me about? <laughs> what? It's a, it's like oh, a muck, mukbang. Mukbang. Muk yeah, it's bang. like mukbang ASMR. Yeah. Don't go, stay away from the internet, kids. <laughs> it's right. a weird place. Um, even if you love butter, which butter's great. Um, let's see. Nope, nope, no segue there. Chris, <laughs> yeah. what, what's your 12 hours gone reaction to last night's game? Well, you, you mentioned earlier about kind of the raw reaction. I, I know Wes and I were talking earlier. We didn't, we have not had a chance to fully rewatch the game. We're trying to um, get there, and we will by this weekend, I'm sure, or later today. But uh, here, here's one thing I'll say, not to get us too off track but I, I did i listened to some of y'all last hour talking about the the culture of positivity or what the cult of positivity i think there can be that that does exist i think the cult of negativity also exists to where some people are unable 
to look at a 40-point win, which is rare in college football, and can't see anything good and can't contextualize anything they're seeing, which is I, I do think that's important. why it's important to rewatch the game and to contextualize everything. What are you seeing? Sometimes, I mean, this happened to me a ton. I'll see something in a game I thought was not as bad, and you <laughs> look back and it's worse. Or you look at a game and say, oh, that, that, that was pretty good. You know, you go back and look, it's worse, or you think something's bad. Oh, it's not that bad. Here's why. You know, so I think that's important, and, and I think we've seen a lot of immediate takes on the game. Um, I, I'll kind of – Shane Beamer, I think the first thing he said after the game – after he got through some of the stuff about, you know, the crowd and moving the game and all those types of things, as he said, we got a lot, a lot to work on. I think you can recognize that and say that that is absolutely 100% true. I also think you can say because South Carolina has beaten three teams that are not very good and they've lost to one team that's elite and one that's, in my opinion, very good on the road, that we still don't really know what this team is. That's also fair. Um, I think it's also... A little, it's a little extreme to go insane over winning a game by 40. And, and because if you're not contextualizing, what are they, what were they trying to do offensively? What did they do? And then you kind of lose sight of the fact that they punted one time. And, and that's not saying the offense was great, right? But they punted one time. You can say that and also say, ah, this, this could have been a lot better. And then they had two interceptions that were a little bit, I mean, one of them bounced off a guy's hands and one of them bounced off a guy's hands slashed the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. Right. Other than that, they punted once. So we could say, well, why'd they call this on third and four? Uh, well, SC State got a penalty that gave them a third and four instead of a third and nine. Ah, you know, I, I think I think it's a little bit extreme in well, some cases. Can, can, some I ask, stuff. can I ask you something real quick? Yeah. I'm sorry, I know Preston and he had something on that, but Carolina didn't punt against Charlotte, and they punted one time against SC State. Okay. And it, to me, just watching the games, and again, I came in last Monday, and I was like, yeah, Carolina did what they needed to do. There's very little to criticize with the game plan. It felt like a chasm between the performance that we watched last week against Charlotte and what I just watched last night against SC State. Like you said, maybe that's recency bias because it's an immediate reaction. I haven't had time to go over any of the numbers or rewatch any of the game. But it didn't feel like they only punted once last night. It felt a lot more sputtering than Charlotte. Right, and, and, you know, I do think the eye test matters, but you also have to look at what is the, if we want to bottom line everything, which is, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. What is the bottom line? They punted once. You can say, oh, SC State had some penalties. Well, South Carolina forced those penalties. You know, we, we can't say, I mean, South Carolina was kind of grabby defensively, right? They had some kind of bad pass interference penalties. Well, SC State held some, too, offensively and defensively. You're, you're causing those as a team. The, the bottom line is they punted once. The bottom line is one of the picks. I think wasn't Xavier Leggett standing, I think, on the SC State 20 or so, mm-hmm. something like that, when that ball popped out. Good play call. Mm-hmm. He's wide open. Ball's right here in his hands right. on the numbers. But that's still a failure to execute. Even if it's not on the, even if it's not on Spencer Rattler, yeah. it was a good throw. It wasn't on Marcus Satterfield. It was a good call. It's still a failure to execute. And my underlying point is that whatever the reason, is it because you're playing Georgia? Is it because it's the first game of the season? Every week, there's a new reason. 
And, what, you know, may, maybe it's just as simple as the wide receivers, you know, not catching the football. Neither of those picks was Spencer's fault, but it's still an inability for the offense to execute. Yeah, I mean, in those instances, sure. Yeah. I, I just think, again, I'll go back to the nuance thing of just it's a complex game, you know, so we have to – I mean, they scored 50 points and punted once. They probably – they look – I mean, they were driving on both of those drives. So, look, if they do that against Kentucky, which we don't know if they will. I have no idea. They didn't do it against Charlotte. They did do it against SC State. I, I don't know. Um, they do that against Kentucky. It's going to be a long day. But I've got, I've got no idea sitting here five games through. Honestly, I'm not sure what to expect in that game. So No, I, I, I think that's fair. I think that's, I think that's very fair. Um, you hit on something saying that, I guess, let me shoot Marcus Satterfield some bail again, right? right. I don't agree with this. I personally would have liked to have seen a, a gameplay that was more suited to what we did in, against Charlotte, run the ball, run down the throw, whatever. However, <clears throat> there is a case to be made for working on against an inferior opponent working on plays that you want to run in the future. Okay. And so that could be something that was behind the thought process of maybe some of those screens and some of those play calls that, again, me personally, I didn't agree with, mm-hmm. but I can see a rationale where you want to not get stuff on film, but you want to rep it at game speed. So, Like they felt okay about what they repped against Charlotte and they wanted to rep more of their quick perimeter game against SC State. I can see that being a rationale. Again, okay. I don't think they're, I don't think this offense is at a point where they can take any reps for granted, but I do see that as a possibility. Yeah, uh, Wes, I know we got to get you in here. I've been just like so horrendously like off my clocks today. Terry's going to kill me. We got to hit a quick break here. 803-404-6100. Get your initial thoughts. Circle back right back. That's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about that. Worth exploring as Carolina heads into a portion of its schedule where, uh, you know, maybe with the exception of Vanderbilt, and even Vanderbilt scored a good bit this year. Uh, no more cupcakes left for South Carolina. It's do or die pretty much every game from here on out. 803-404-6100. More on Carolina and SC State next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.22 Friday morning. Uh, rainy Friday. It's picking up a little bit down here. Y'all be safe out there for anybody in transit or any plans to go anywhere. Uh, do it before things get really bad. And if you can, probably best to just kind of Hang out at home today, watch a movie, get some snacks, and, of course, watch a lot of football all weekend long. We'll have a bunch uh, for you here throughout the rest of the day on 107.5 The Game. Reaction to Carolina and SC State and continuing to look ahead to the college football weekend. Um, Before we circle back to an interesting idea that Preston and Chris were talking about in terms of what South Carolina might have been doing last night, uh, less for the purposes of the result last night and maybe more with one eye on the rest of the season, I do want to get Wes's immediate reaction, 12 hours removed from the end of the game. What would you think? Yeah, you know, and and that's kind of the direction I'm going to go as well. Um, Chris and I talked about it briefly before we came in. I, you know, I think first of all, it was a typical, um, just a little bit sloppy kind of, uh, you know, one team's overmatched, short week kind of, um, you know, not a game that you can take a ton from. So I thought South Carolina kind of did um, what they needed to do. It was a bit sloppy, like I said, and you know, I think it was kind of from a score per perspective it kind of played out the way you thought you're coming right down to that final score being what puts it 
for the gamblers out there, um, either over the top or underneath the. Um, I was at the spread and the, the spread. over/under, right down to the wire. Yeah, so it was it was kind of right on what at least those uh, folks in Vegas anticipated. But you know, I really, I truly thought this was a game where South Carolina and you know we talked about this being a possibility coming in. It looked to me like they were working on some things in the intermediate and um, even you know a couple of deeper throws. Like it, it felt like last week they just said run, 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 easy pass, run, run, easy pass. This week, it was more like, all right, we have the running game. We have these quick throws to the perimeter when we want them. I thought they were working on some things. And, you know, Beamer even talked about trying to put some uh, some tendency breakers in there. And that really caught my attention because he was asked about um, Nate Atkins. And the, the first deep throw of the game, the one that got bobbled around and picked off, they actually had three tight ends on the field. One of them was Nate Atkins. And the other, and one of the others was Wyatt Campbell. And uh, Wyatt has been sort of that sixth offensive lineman, extra tight end. They almost always run the football when he is in the game. So they went play action off of that. There's another play I caught where um, they had Nate and I believe Wyatt on the field as well, and they went play action. They, act, you know what? They uh, one of the few balls that Spencer missed on. He overshot Nate Adkins, mm-hmm. and they had a play action where Nate was actually. He basically faked like he was in pass pro, and the SC State guy went flying past him, and then he shot out in a little quick route, and Spence just missed him. It was just a a missed throw, but I I thought they were kind of trying to break some tendencies, work on the passing game. The game never, to me, felt in doubt. Like I I thought South Carolina was in control the entire way. Um, So to me, I I think you look at what you did against Charlotte, and you say, yeah, you worked on the running game. You kind of – tried to figure out what you do best in the running game. I looked at this, and, you know, going back, I, I have watched the first half already. Aaron Murray kept saying himself, like, go go, let Spencer Rattler throw, let him continue to work on timing with these wide receivers. And generally, your, your color commentary guys have had some off-the-record conversations with the coaching staff before mm-hmm. the game as well. So when he's saying that, I'm wondering if that thought wasn't, he didn't explicitly say it, but I'm wondering right. if that maybe wasn't put in his head by the staff as well. It just looked to me like they were trying to throw the ball and just work on some things a little bit more because they knew, hey, if I miss on this throw, I still can probably yeah. finish this drive. I can, I can still probably uh, get another down, basically. Yeah. I can get a first down and then go back to working on some things. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, and I appreciate that in terms of the tendency breakers. You know, the Wyatt Campbell looks, but, you know, passing, you know, the play action and hitting Nate Atkins, those are the things. If, if that's what Carolina's game plan was, it would make sense, and I and I would I would like I would I would appreciate seeing that because I think we can all agree that that's an area where South Carolina really needs to improve. Here's the problem I have with that though: that didn't end up being most of the game plan. You saw some of that early, but so much of Carolina's success late in the game. And I know I'm about to say this is a problem, even though as well they were having success with because this is not the roadmap for them to continue to have success. I don't have the count. I haven't gone back and watched the game. I don't know if you happen to count it. How many passes did Spencer throw at or behind the line of scrimmage? We know he can throw those. We know that through five games, that's been a pretty ineffective part of Carolina's offense. So maybe you want to improve that. But if you're worried about Spencer Rattler hitting the deep ball, throwing intermediate routes, throwing just some more interesting route combinations at opposing defenses, I just continue to be mystified at Marcus Satterfield's apparent obsession with throwing balls at or behind the line of scrimmage. It must have been half of Spencer's attempts in the entire game. Yeah, and I, and I don't have the numbers. Up. I mean, but those were some of their most successful plays the last two weeks. Sure. I mean, against uh, the two worst defenses they'll see all year. 
Yeah, but I mean, I feel like you're kind of going to both ways it if you if you say that. But it like didn't you, work against Arkansas. It didn't work against Georgia, and it didn't work against Georgia State. So the sample size that we've seen against reasonably talented opponents, it hasn't worked. So you're not going to work on those things. No. There's a lot more you can do on offense. You're banging your head against the wall. There are so many things that you can do, and Carolina has done things that have worked at times. That's not one of them. Carolina doesn't have the athletes to beat other teams in the SEC horizontally. We've seen that for two years now. Okay. I, go ahead. No, I just I I feel like um, I feel like the last two games were about South Carolina a trying to figure out what they can do well and be trying to work on the things that they want to do well, but, but need to improve on. And, you know, this, this is a team that coming into the year wanted to, I would say pride itself on its perimeter blocking. And then I believe probably internally was uh, a bit embarrassed about the job they did, especially starting off the year, you know, game one against Georgia State out on the edge. So I, I think a lot of that, um, you know, the last two weeks, like I, I think this is part of what they want to do. Like if you if you can block on the outside, those are easy yardage plays for South Carolina, for, for any team, really. So I, I think that I think that is part of what they want to be offensively. Like you don't have to like it, mm-hmm. and, you know, you don't have to think that it – works as well as something else but I think for them that is part of what they want to be so I I think that was part of the game plan these two weeks is to kind of try to drill down on what you're going to be as an offense we will see Mm -hmm. if they are successful doing this against SEC teams but I don't think looking at their personnel that they're a team that's going to be more successful saying we're just going to drop back straight up throw the football down the field and put this game on our offensive tackles to block SEC linemen as a downfield passing team. Like, you do have Spencer Rattler. You did bring him in as, you know, the guy. But I, if, if I have one takeaway, it is that this is not an offense that's going to be able to just simply drop back and throw the football down the field and expect to have good protection. Like, I'd much rather throw the ball out on the perimeter and hone in on that ability on those plays than I would ever think they're going to be successful consistently throwing the ball down the field. 803-404-6100, Love Chevy phone line, text line, and you can get all of us on Twitter too, at Pearson Fowler, at Coach P Tweets, at West Mitchell GC, at GC Chris Clark. Plenty more reaction to Carolina and SC State next. It's the Game Got Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen, with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell, on the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Seven thirty-four on a Friday morning. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, Wes, Chris, here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios, downtown Columbia, rainy, windy, Hasn't started to, like, really pick up yet. Uh, but y'all go ahead and get somewhere safe and comfortable with lots of snacks before it is supposed to start a little bit later on this afternoon. Uh, plenty more thoughts on South Carolina and SC State, and I do have an exercise for all you guys. Not even necessarily to complete today. You can take the weekend if you need it. But looking for one word to describe South Carolina's offense. One word. It can be amazing. It can be unique. It can be bad. It can be anything. I'm not trying to taint the jury pool. If you think that what you see South Carolina doing offensively is interesting or, like I said, unique or creative, that can be your one word. Whatever your one word is, you can hit me on Twitter or you can get us 
in the text line. Before we dive back in, uh, Wes, though, has a great recommendation. Uh, if anybody needs to move, which everybody needs to move at some point, and a lot of people dread the process, but you don't have to. Yeah, go uh, give a shout to our friends at Gamecock Moving. That's at GamecockMoving.com or 803-814-3569. You can text that number as well if you'd rather do that. Uh, residential and commercial moving services. They are licensed, bonded, and insured. They are able to help you move anywhere in the state of South Carolina, and they can assist in coordinating your out-of-state moves as well. Um, importantly for you, if you're a Prisma Health employee, a college student anywhere, active duty military personnel, or for everyone listening, if you tell them that you heard about them on our show, you will get a discount for their moving services. And uh, again, I've personally experienced Gamecock moving. Uh, they will literally come out, pack up your stuff. This is what we what we did. They packed us up. They took it in the truck. They unpacked it. They put it exactly where we wanted it. And we were literally able to watch the South Carolina-Arkansas game the same morning um, that we got everything moved, which is very, very convenient. So, again, GamecockMoving.com, 803-814-3569. Um, all right, a few more uh, recommendations rolling in in the text line and the uh, and the Twitter feed, so y'all keep it coming. One word to describe South Carolina's offense. In that vein, I, I, I like sincerely apologize because we have to keep having this conversation, but it continues to be worth it to ask the question. Carolina ran the ball against Charlotte. They went with a little more of the quick perimeter passing game. You know, Wes, made a, Wes and Chris, and y'all made a very good point. Maybe this is something Carolina wants to be a part of its offense. Maybe it's something they feel like needs to be a part of their offense. You're exactly right. Carolina is not going to be able to, uh, to pass protect for long against the best pass rushes in the SEC. We've seen that. What is the line between continuing to work on something that you want to be a part of your offense and acknowledging maybe this is just not what we're good at? When, when do you jump ship on any piece of your philosophy, offense or defense? I don't know, but you, you have to call some play. Like, you have to go run an offense. Like, you don't get to just eliminate everything. Like, oh, we're not good at this, so we're not going to do any of this. Um, and and when, I, when I'm when i talking about the things I thought they worked on, I actually thought that it was they did call a few more of the intermediate throws, a few more downfield throws this week, and a few more just number of throws in general this week than they did last week. Um, you know, I... I thought really the last two weeks they've thrown the perimeter stuff quite a bit. Like I, I looked at that against Charlotte as kind of being an extension of the running game. Like this is this is kind of what we want to be right now. I felt like they honed in on a couple of specific running plays and running them out of different formations and different looks, but they were probably very similar in how they were repped as far as your offensive linemen, your lead blockers, you know, your your tight ends, all those guys. So I, you know, I, I think we got a feel for some of what they want to be on offense, but they will continue to tweak things. I also, I, I haven't watched the second half yet. It felt like, uh, just from what I could tell, watching SC State was in a ton of zone. Like they were just kind of playing off coverage on the edge. Um, looked like lots of cover three, lots of cover four. Um, even if they were in some type of man coverage or matchup zone, they were playing off the receivers. So that did open up a lot of just underneath stuff for, for easy throws out there. So that that could have been part of it as well. And, uh, you know, some of these plays, it's just I, – I look – you talked about, you know, the lack of execution on the interceptions, the, especially the second one. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's third and long. They're they're in some type of zone. I think it was a cover three, but they're they're off. They're playing off coverage. The, the call 
is great. Um, the execution other than the drop is great. And it was, it was the right call against the right defense. Everybody else did their part. And then it just gets dropped. Mm-hmm. I I look at that as just a physical error, which right. you can live with that. To me, I don't know, as I'm sort of thinking through it, I don't know if I lump that in necessarily. It is a lack of execution. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I don't know if I lump that in with the same lack of execution as just guys don't look like they know where they're going. Mm-hmm. Guys don't look like um, they understand the offense. Guys look confused. To me, if a guy just misses a pass, he just physically makes a mistake, that feels a little bit different than it's just discombobulated and, and just looks off. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think the past two weeks we have all said – our expectation was that Carolina would keep it simple, right? And that was a fair expectation. So it's kind of like after this game, they did that. So what's the what's the disconnect there? You know, they kept it simple. It, Wes pointed out how much zone and kind of maybe a bend but don't break style SC State played. It wouldn't have made a ton of sense if the staff would have said, let's start chucking it down the field. Screw it. You know, I mean, if it's there, you take it. You don't need to. You are on a – I know it's SC State. I get that. It's a short week. Mm-hmm. You, you don't carry a lot into the game. This is kind of a game you go in, you do your thing, you get out of there. And they they had two execution errors. Um, a lot of it, it wasn't pretty. It was mm-hmm. certainly clunky at times. But at the end of the day, they punted once. They were driving and probably would have scored. They sc- would have scored at least a field goal on the second Xavier Leggett dropped. Mm-hmm. The other one, they were would have been in SC State territory. Yeah, probably. that's my best field goal range, too, I'd say. It was about yeah. the 20, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. A little bit of splitting hairs. Now, you can say that, and you can also say, hey, what, what do they hang their hat on? Through five games, what are they good at? And you still have to say, well, we're not sure against really good competition, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that is also fair to say. But it's not fair to me to say, they absolutely will not slash cannot execute against any quality competition down the stretch. I don't know. I don't know. It could we are be. almost halfway through the season, though. Like, at some point, even yeah, but, if we don't know, the coaching staff has to know, and it doesn't seem like they know. But you don't. But in a game in the past two weeks where we all recognize that the plan was to keep it simple, and they have executed, for the most part, mm-hmm. they executed simple well. We can't sit here and bash them for not opening up the playbook and running all this stuff and going, you know, I, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. I didn't want them to open up the playbook last night. I wanted them to, in fact, keep it simple and then just look dominant. And they didn't to me. I mean, they it, scored 22 points in the first half. That's, that's not dominant. Yeah, it's, it's not, but I think that goes, it goes back to what Wes said. You know, they, they punted one, I mean, I probably, along with everyone else, rolled my eyes when they went three, or was it three and out? They, they had Marshawn Lloyd had a 15-yard run, then they had three they, and punt. Then they had, so, so it was a four-play four drive. Yeah. Roll my eyes on that a little bit, because mm-hmm. I think they had a third and three or mm-hmm. something, or third and four. And yeah, did, Marshawn and got it. stuffed. He got stuffed. Okay, but other than that, again, they're driving down the field, and they have a ball go off a guy's hands twice, mm-hmm. and it bounces up twice, mm-hmm. and the other team happens to be there mm-hmm. twice. That's not... 
what is the coaching staff doing on this game plan? Right. You know, that it's, it is different. It's okay to separate those things. So if, if let's say those plays don't happen, mm-hmm. I know this is getting a little dangerous and slippery slope. South Carolina scores 64. Is that enough? Is 64 points enough? Again, it's, it's, it's to me about what it looks like. And, and yeah, here's, yeah. here's the difference for me. Against Charlotte, it wasn't so much about the big plays. It was nice to see Carolina pop a couple of those, especially in the running game. But it felt like Carolina, and I don't have the number in front of me, the number of negative plays that South Carolina had against Charlotte last week was very, very little. And it felt like Carolina had a lot more negative plays last night. Like I said, I'll have to go actually look at the numbers, but it's it's the negative plays that I'm looking at as much as the explosive plays. Carolina should have been able to five yards a carry every single time. They they got there. Marshawn Lloyd averaged, you know, just under eight yards a carry for our buy or sell, which we'll come around to. Um, but it was a big run and then stuffed. Carolina shouldn't be getting stuffed. They shouldn't have the negative plays against SC State. And again, the turnovers are part of that. South Carolina's turned the football over more than anybody else in the SEC. 12 That's, turnovers. And, and that, honestly, is probably what we should be talking about as much or more of what's your third and four call. Right. You know what I mean? But, but that's the I problem, mean, too. Like, like, yes, it's like Xavier Leggett. Is he going to drop that pass every single time? No. Does Has he made that catch 100 times before in practice and, you know, throughout his life? Absolutely. But it's still a failure to execute. And just because it's not on Marcus Satterfield doesn't mean we can't talk about it as a valid criticism of the offense. The play call has to be right. The execution has to be there from the offensive line and from Spencer Rattler and the receiver. If one of those things isn't working, I don't care what the explanation is. I don't care if it's incidental or, you know, just poor execution or whatever. It's it's not working. Yeah, and all of that is encompassed. I think the turnovers are an issue. Another issue that I've been trying to diagnose is that, to me, the two best receivers are Jalen Brooks and Juice Wells. Mm-hmm. I think that's very clear by the performance that they've had and the statistics that they have. And it doesn't seem as if the reps that these guys are getting equals their productivity. Right. And so at some point in the season, it has to come to a point where it says, all right, I know we wanted to play everybody. I know everybody was trying to get reps, but these are the best players and these are the players that we're going to go to. We've seen that sort of happen with Marshawn Mm -hmm. at running back. We've seen the, the herd sort of thin out with that. I would like to see that happening in those other positions also. I mean, Marcus Satterfield told all of us very candidly a couple weeks ago, there are no plays in the playbook specifically for Juice Wells. I don't know if they have changed that. It would be worth asking, I think, next of media availability. But or Jalen Brooks. Or Jalen Brooks. Because those are the two guys who are consistently getting open. Right. And when they have an opportunity to make plays, they've made plays. I'll be curious to see if, there's, if they've made those adjustments. It doesn't seem like, based on what we've seen in the last two weeks, that's necessarily been there. Now, again, you give those guys credit for succeeding the way they have in the flow of the offense. But I think... If you're going to try to shoehorn touches into guys, those are the guys that have earned it through the first five weeks of the season. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. And I, and I wouldn't even say shoehorn and touches. I just want them to get the majority of the reps. Yeah. I want oh, them yeah, to be on yeah. the field the most of the time to have those opportunities. Right. And so if you're not on the field, it's going to be tough to get those those opportunities. Two, two, two quick things. Um, there were, and, and again, this is where you need to go like chart this. There were a few... Um, Short, you know, perimeter passes. So I guess, you know, that's another conversation. But th- there were a few quick throw it out there to Antoine Wells, Juice Wells, mm-hmm. last night. There, there were some of those. So I-, I suppose that would count as something like that. And also, just for some context, I don't know, you know, I'm not arguing one way or the other here. Last night, Juice and Jalen, both uh, 32 snaps. South Carolina had 61 snaps in the game mm-hmm. offensively. You know, I think... 
there are a lot of different reasons for that. But 32 snaps each for those guys. Josh Van 26, Leggett 22, and Marion Brown had 22. And then you had uh, Joyner actually got in later in the game for 12. And then Peyton Mangrum 6, Corey Rucker 4. With, with their production, if you can put their snaps to their production, it should probably be more so along the lines of 40 mm-hmm. for Jalen. Out, I mean, out of 60. 40 out of yeah. 60. Yeah. Supposed, it should be two-thirds instead of one-half of what it seems like. Right. To this point, Josh Van hasn't played to the point where he should get that many snaps. I think that's fair. 803-404-6100. Any final thoughts that you have on Carolina and SC State? Y'all let us know in the text line or the Love Chevy phone line. Or get all of us on Twitter at Pearson Fowler, at Coach P Tweets, at West Mitchell GC, and at GC Chris Clark. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.51, a couple minutes left here in the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on a football Friday. Uh, ahead, still a full weekend of football. South Carolina, SC State, of course, in the rear view. We'll have more reaction to that as it comes on Monday. We'll have all had a little more time to digest everything that happened, and then we'll have, I guess, kind of an extended hate week ahead of Kentucky. This is like... Let's go. I get the feeling this is like Columbia is going to start doing a wildcat burn pretty soon if they don't start beating Kentucky. Um We'll see. We'll have more time, of course, next week to talk about that game. Let's go out to the Love Chevy phone line. Last word of the day on the Love Chevy phone line goes to James. What's up, James? Hey, man. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, the frustrating part about the offense to me, first of all, it's like Satterfield is doing the same thing me and you are doing right now, which is listening to the fans and listening to the radio. Because it seems like whatever we our complaint is for the week, all of a sudden that's what our offense comes out to do. First couple of weeks, we was talking about running the ball. We're not running the ball. Next thing I know, Marshawn Lord running the ball. Next thing we talk about, we need to see the deep pass, deep, deep pass. Next thing I know, Spencer throwing the deep pass. And then all the bubble screens and short passes that we're throwing, we do not have the personnel to execute that kind of play yet. We don't have the guy with enough twitch in him. Other than Lord and other running back, and maybe a little bit of Wells, we don't have the guy that can get that screen pass, make a guy miss in the open field. And, and do something with it. I thought Van was that guy, but it seems like Van is in some kind of doghouse or something. He's trying to get out of it now. But um, until we get the right personnel in there, Satterfield offense is going to keep looking like what Satterfield offense is looking like, which is a guy who don't know whether we are a running team or passing team or short passing or deep passing. I, I don't know. It just um, I'm trying to be patient as I can with him as a Gamecock fan, but my, my patience is running thin because uh, teams like Kentucky and Florida, they're making all those tackles that SC State was missing. The little short pass, uh, making a guy miss or something like that, we couldn't hardly make SC State guys miss. So I know that Kentucky guys, as hard as they play and as strong as they are, we definitely not going to make them miss. So the offense is going to look even worse. So I'm just hoping, got my fingers crossed, hoping for the best for the rest of the season. I'll hang up now and listen to your guys. Great call, James. Uh, a lot of good points in there. And again, that's that's why it's been such a sticking point for me. The, the the perimeter blocking, which we haven't seen South Carolina do effectively against Georgia State, Arkansas, and Georgia. A wide range of opponents there. Uh, and then, yeah, like the the best guy on the offense right now is Marshawn Lloyd. Beyond that, it is probably Juice and Jalen. Um, but even, even their skill sets don't lend themselves, with the exception of Marshawn, it's just like, here's the ball, go make you know, the defensive backs you're going to see against Kentucky and against Texas A&M and, you know, even against Florida and, you know, the everyone you're going to see against Clemson. Like, Carolina's had its cupcake games. The, these last two, yeah, missed tackles. 
That's a great point. Well, you mentioned the word twitchy, and I hadn't, I've been looking for that word to try and figure out what we mean. I think everybody knows what that means when you hear it and you say it, and that's he's right. That's not the word that you would use to describe some of these guys' skill set. So talking about Jaheim Bell, I wouldn't describe him as twitchy. I would describe him as a matchup problem for folks, but it seems like James hit on something absolutely. They were trying to call twitchy guy plays for him, and that's not necessarily his his skill set. So we'll see how the we'll see how the evolve evolves, but I, I don't know what the South Carolina State was tackling very well, or they weren't able to miss make guys miss, but there were several opportunities where it was one on one chances and the guy ended in, on the ground, and that 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 can't happen if. They want to be successful. Yeah, it's, it's not going to get easier for Carolina to make those guys miss and break those tackles. So I appreciate it, James. Um, and, and just, I guess, kind of to put a point on it, at least from my perspective, you know, Georgia State, quick passing game. Arkansas, a little more down the field and intermediate. Georgia, don't even know what the game plan was. Charlotte, run the ball. SC State, like it, there has there have not been consecutive outings of South Carolina doing anything that resembles the previous game. Maybe that's by design. Keep the defense off balance. Kentucky doesn't know which Carolina, they're going to see downfield passing, running, short passing, but five games in, 18 games in, every single, like, I know y'all are tired of listening to us talk about it. I'm tired of talking about it. What does this team do? What do they want to do? What do they do well? Still don't know. I get it. You just played two bad teams, but you're almost halfway through the season. If you don't have answers now, I don't know when you're finding them. Well, we're not going to be able to trick Kentucky. As I said, I'm all for this hate, extended hate week at Kentucky. They've quickly become a team that I don't like. But I do know this. Those dudes will play hard, and they will tackle, and they'll be physical. So and They'll be in the right place. And they will be where they're supposed to be. They might not be great or athletic or any of that. They'll be where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. and you're not going to trick those dudes. So we'll see. We'll get a great sense for what Kentucky's going to look like. Uh, they have a their toughest test of the season this weekend against Ole Miss. We're really looking forward to that game. Uh, and a whole bunch of other games. We're out of time here today. I appreciate you all listening and being a part of the show. We'll be back on Monday. We'll have some more SEC uh, thoughts, excuse me, SEC state thoughts, plus all the other games from around the SEC before, like Preston said, jumping into the Kentucky week a little bit early. But hey, week. We need this week. <laughs> I I started each season saying, obviously, he was going to win this week, and I'm, I'm waning on that. My confidence is leaving my body quickly well kentucky's a top 10 team for the first time in a while so it'll be even better to knock them off yeah we'll 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 see how that goes uh next week but enjoy the weekend of football be safe for all the inclement weather out there um yeah just be safe have a good weekend we'll talk to you monday there are about a million podcasts about money but bad with money with gabby dunn is the one where finances meet social justice we're gonna make mal play games on the internet that were designed to teach people about money and we're gonna see if they actually teach people about money can you set up what the stock market game was it's just the stock market but it's not real money and the things that they chose to make real i this makes no sense like they were like you can't trade after hours and i was like this isn't real bad with money listen wherever you get your podcasts